I don't remember the exact date that it happened, but the moment will be forever etched in my memory. It was a few years ago, old, uh, long enough ago, that Tyler was not old enough to be in school. He was, however, in preschool. He was three or four years old, and the little preschool he was going to at the time was a very good one, and they were teaching some great lessons. And one of the lessons that they learned was the history of our country. Kind of surprised to hear three- and four-year-olds being taught that. But they learned simple things like the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and the Founding Fathers and what those things meant. And they also learned about freedom. They also learned about this concept of liberty. And as a parent, I was just, wow, I thought that was really cool. Tyler came home one day and he told us that he learned that liberty means we get to make our own choices. Boy, that was a, that's a powerful lesson. That's a powerful lesson, except if you're a parent of that child. <laughs> Christy told me I wasn't there personally, but she said that one day she had told Tyler to go clean his room. And he stopped for just a minute, hesitated like he was thinking, and then he stood up. And he looked his mom straight in the eye. And he said, Mom... I live in America. (laughs) And in America, we get to make our own choices. And I choose liberty. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Who knew we were raising a little Patrick Henry, right? Give me liberty or give me death. All right, son, I'm about to give you both. Here's a lesson for you. You need to get in your room because while you do live in a wonderfully free country, uh, you reside in the home of benevolent dictators. (laughs) That was his second lesson about communist Cuba. Well, I am so excited about this topic of freedom because that reminds me that freedom is such a simple concept. Even though Tyler slightly misunderstood his liberty... I think we all can understand what liberty means, what our founding fathers wanted when they gave us freedom. And that's why I'm so excited that we're spending the whole year talking about freedom in Christ. Steve spoke to you last week about uh, the year of Jubilee. And basically that was once every 50 years, God's people were called to stop living life as normal. To stop doing what they'd always been doing, to cancel the debts, to return the property, to not do any transactions of normal business. God wanted them to trust in Him. And He wanted them to understand that when they put their full, complete trust in Him, that He would bless them. And He would give them freedom. And we're going to be talking about that this whole year. And this uh, start of this year's series starts with a series that we're going to call Free and Clear. God's Roadmap to Debt-Free Living. And in this series, we're going to talk about stewardship. Now, there's a problem with the word stewardship. It's sort of one of those loaded words. That is, if you've been going to church for your whole life, you understand when the, the guy gets up there and says the word stewardship, that's code for, grab your wallet. We're going to be talking about money. In fact, if you wouldn't mind, I would like for you to grab your wallet or your checkbook. Just go ahead and do it. Pull it out of your pocket. Because as you do that, you need to understand that this is the number one reason a lot of people who don't go to church don't want to come to church. 
That's the second group. The people who don't come to church very often, they go, you know why I don't come to church? Because every time they go to church, they're talking about money. Talking about stewardship. About my money and my stuff and my possessions and how the Lord needs more of my money and stuff and possessions. (laughs) Well, the truth is, He doesn't need it. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I can say on stage... When you hold that wallet in front of you, I want you to look at it for just a second. Now, if you have a problem talking about this in church, you don't have a problem with me. And you don't have a problem with Northside. And you don't have a problem with Steve Tandy. You've got a problem with Jesus. Because when the people, a bunch of Bible nerds, got together and they looked at all the stuff that Jesus said, and you know what they found out? They found out that Jesus talked about our money and our stuff and our possessions more than any other topic. Now, you're sitting there, some of you are going, why? I mean, there's so many good things that Jesus could have told us about heaven and prayer and worship, but he chose to talk about money and stuff and possessions. And I can sum it all up in one simple verse. Matthew 6, verse 21. You probably know the verse without even knowing it. For Jesus said, you just fill in the blanket. For Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there shall your heart be also. So for the next five weeks, we'll be talking about stewardship. We're not really talking about your wallet. We're talking about your heart. We're talking about your values, your priorities, and what's important to you. And you need to know that if you go to Northside, you're a member of this family. You've got an eldership. They're a bunch of weird guys. And they want you to be a bunch of weird sheep. Because Northside is unique. And we're going to talk about aspects of stewardship, and we want you to live the free life. And how we're going to do that is by unlocking your heart. But how we get to your heart is by unlocking your wallet. So, we're not asking you to build a building. We're not going to do any new and dramatic things. What we're trying to reinforce here is that at Northside, we have a culture that is weird. We have a culture that wants people to be free. Now, a lot of people say they want freedom, but do they really? Every four years ago, some snazzy politicians will get up and walk around in front of us and offer us a lot of security in exchange for our freedom. And people say, well, that sounds okay. People want to be free, but their lives are just encumbered with financial slavery. People say they want to be free. But how you go about your freedom, well, that's what we're going to get into. That's where we're going to dig into the nuts and bolts of this. Oh, I'm so glad to be able to speak to you this morning. (laughs) Uh, Because money is sort of an emotional issue. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you mad. A lot of people deal with money. It's a very emotional issue. When I pull out money... I get a little excited. (laughs) When I pull out money, you get a little excited. Oh, I know Toby likes to do illustrations. Nope, not today. God wants you to be free, but in order to do that, he has to get inside your heart, which is tied so closely to your wallet. But when we begin to examine God's Understanding of stewardship as revealed in the scriptures, we see that God's plan is far different from conventional wisdom. What you hear on CNBC, what you hear at Money Magazine, all of those things are conventional wisdom. And God says, I have a different plan. If you just trust me, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to bless you.
In fact, when you trust him, you're going to be weird. And hopefully at the end of this sermon, you're going to want to be weird. You know why? Because normal, normal is awful. Normal is, well, to explain normal, let me introduce you to my friend, Stanley Johnson. Try it again. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. Yes, Stanley Johnson typifies what is normal in our culture. And unfortunately, what's normal in our culture has gradually begun to seep into our church family. And so when we... We say, hey, we're a bit off budget, or hey, we want to do this new thing, or hey, we know this mission work we'd like to support. There's lots of people who say we'd love to, we really want to, but we can't. You see, want implies desire. Can't implies ability. And so what we want to try to do when we understand stewardship is to break open the wallet, the heart So that we can move from not just wanting to do things, but actually being able to do good things. But to do that, we got to be weird. You heard the verse read for you just a moment ago. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, You will be able to know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The Apostle Paul says, if you want to know what God's will is, you got to stop listening to conventional wisdom. So let's take a look at what normal is in America. Normal is car payments. The average price of a new car today is $31,000. The average car payment in America today is $475 a month for 65 months. It is locking up the money in your hands that God gave you and putting it into the hands of the the CEOs at Ford and Chrysler and GM. And it's putting it, sending it over to Cease and Nissan and to Honda. Oh, am I stepping on your toes? I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm going to do a lot of dancing here this morning. That's average in America today. Oh, by the way, I put car payments up there because there's two-car garage in every home. And so most homes have two car payments. Nearly $1,000 a month, and that's on average for 65 months. Average in America today is a credit card. Most homes have at least one or two credit cards. The average outstanding balance of those loans is $15,000. The goal with, I love the names of these cards if you think about it, MasterCard or American Excess or Discovered Bondage, 
The goal is for them to keep you in debt. In fact, credit card companies are now focusing not just on this group. They're focusing on the children of my uh, my children's age, six, seven, eight years old. There's a Barbie doll house with a MasterCard. So Barbie can just charge it, airhead. They are reaching deeper and deeper into their pockets, but also at the same time, deeper and deeper within to our hearts. Average in America today, uh, the cumulative on credit card and consumer debt is $880 billion. Uh, Just the last two years, student debt exceeded that. The cumulative debt in America up to almost $1 trillion in student debt. The average college student leaving college today with a four-year degree leaves with $32,000 in debt. That's Average. You're saying, wait a second, Toby. Now, you've gone too far there. I mean, you're saying education is not important? No, 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 not at all. Absolutely. I think it's very important. But I think it's immoral. And I think it's wrong to put this group of students into decades, decades of financial slavery. They will pay Sally Mae for on average of 28 years until their children are almost ready to go to school. And where's the money going to come for that? They don't have it, so we're just going to borrow it. Student loan, unlike credit card, house loan, uh, uh, any other kind of debt like car payments, is not bankruptable. Old Sally Mae, she's a persistent, stubborn old woman. And she'll stay with you till you die, and she'll visit the people who would get inheritance otherwise. Normal in America is house poor. The average mortgage in America today is $148,000. You say, wait a second, got to have a house. Yeah, I know, you're right. You're, it wouldn't cause a country any sort of problems to give people money that they can't afford to pay back on their home. Wouldn't create any sort of financial bubble in the housing market. Come crashing down and cause all sorts of problems. That would never happen in America, would it? Now, see, none of these things that I'm talking to you about are designed to talk to people out there. I'm wanting to step on your toes because the average person in the kingdom of God is stressed out. Financially, they are completely depleted. You came here to worship and you could hardly focus on the songs, the prayers, communion, because you're wondering, just wondering if you can make it to next paycheck. 70% of Americans live one paycheck to the next. Hand to mouth. Hand to mouth, just hoping that nothing bad happens from one paycheck to the next. And that causes so much stress, so many health problems, so many marital problems. The number one reason for divorce in America today is money fights and money problems. Now, we know that statistically, marriages are exactly the same rate, divorce and and marriage, the divorce rates are exactly the same in the church as they are outside of the church. That tells us something. We want to address the marriage problem? We better get to the heart of the matter in our hearts and our wallets. People are stressed out, wondering when it's all going to come crashing down. Some of you live like this little dog. I... uh, MasterCard to pay off Visa and Visa to pay off MasterCard. We can't live like this any longer. It's time to stop. 
This is not what God wants for your life. Now, I am not a health, wealth, and prosperity preacher, but I do believe that God has always wanted His people to be free. And freedom means you have to get control. You have to do things with not your money, with God's money. You have to ask yourself, well, does God want me to send his money to Honda or General Motors or Ford? Does God want me to spend half of my income on this house payment that's beautiful, but I can't afford to furnish it? Does God want me to indebt my children for decades? Guys, normal in America is broken. It does not work any longer. And it's only going to get worse and worse. Now, we can sit here and get mad at our leaders. We can say, oh, those people up in Washington, D.C., they need to get, boy, they just need to get things under control. The spending is crazy. Uh, that's great. Let me talk to you about your personal finances. Oh, wait a second. Uh, you've gone from preaching to meddling, son. We get a little worried, don't we? Listen, this is a hard message to preach, but I preach it from the heart because I know that God wants to unlock God's people from normal and begin to free them, to begin to let them know the blessings of what he has in store for them. So I hope that you'll follow along with me as we talk about weird. Now, if you don't understand the concept of stewardship... Stewardship is simply this idea that God owns everything. When I ask you to pull out your wallet, I wanted you to look at that because most of the time you said, in fact, I even said it, pull out your wallet. Stewardship is the idea, it's no, this may be my wallet, but everything in here belongs to him. Psalm chapter 24 verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the people and all who, who walk in it. It all belongs to God. You and I are just uh, managers we're not owners. We're stewards. We don't own it all, but we, we are accountable to the one who owns it all. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 and 18, you ought to, you ought to flip over there because this is, this is one of those nuggets that will just rock your world. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. You may say to yourself, by my power, and the strength of my hands have I produced this wealth. But, and if you're here in Deuteronomy 8.18, this is the big one. But remember the Lord your God. For it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. There is an attitude in our society today that money is evil. If you have a lot of money, you must have done it by... Uh, ripping some people off, that you are inherently evil, and money is neither moral or immoral. In fact, Deuteronomy 8.17 said, God gives you, not He doesn't just own all the animals, vegetables, and minerals in the world. He owns you. He gave you your mind and your gifts and your abilities and your talents. And you know why He gave those to you? So that you could produce wealth. So that he could bless you and bless others. Wealth is not a bad thing. In fact, this verse very much seems to indicate that God is a capitalist. God wants you to be able to develop those gifts he's given you. But once you've produced wealth, then you have responsibility. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. You've got to be a little different than the conventional wisdom. 
Now, some of you are sitting there saying, well, this kid, he's such a simpleton. I tell you what, he clearly doesn't know about the power of leveraging, using other people's money. Well, there are great tax incentives to, to having debt. Well, let's talk about being normal, or I'm sorry, being weird. Because it's going to defy conventional wisdom. Number one, there are seven of these. Number one, weird is preparing for a rainy day. You know, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20 says, In the house of the wise are choice stores of food and oil. But a fool gulps down, or a fool devours all he has. I love you dearly with my heart, but I need to tell you that if you were living hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck, you have no margin in your life. Proverbs 21.20 says you're a fool. You need to have a little extra. You need to have a little margin. You need to be prepared. Now, I'm not asking you to be a prepper, but I am saying the scriptures tell us you need to be prepared. I was reading just yesterday in West Virginia, uh, they have had some sort of an emergency, and the water there, they've shut off the water. They don't know when it's going to be back on. The water that they do get can't even be drunk, even if you boil it. So I don't know what the whole story is there, but my, my question to you is, what would you do if that happened to you? What would you do if you got snowed in for a week? Would you be prepared? What would you do if tomorrow morning you walk in and the boss hands you a pink slip? Are you prepared? Now, God's, you can take that too far to an extreme, but you ought to be prepared because it's going to rain. You ought to get that umbrella. Number two, weird is saving up. You know, taking a little bit of your money and having a plan for it and saving for the things you need. I know some of you in here got all mad, got your feathers all ruffled when I said car payments. Car payments are normal. They are normal. You want to be normal, you want to be like everybody else, you want to be stressed out. You want to have no money at the end of the month? Go ahead. Get all the car payments you want. Wait a second. Are you telling me you can have a car without a car payment? Yeah, you sure can. Well, that's impossible unless you're a cajillionaire. I'm far from a cajillionaire. It's been years since I've had a car payment. I don't drive the newest car. I don't drive the nicest car. But you can drive a car easily without a payment. But you've got to save up. In fact, this money that I showed you this morning, the reason I didn't give it out... Because um, I'm saving up for a different car. My old truck is 170,000 miles. It's not going to last forever. It's starting to cost me more money. Got to put it away. Number three, being weird is debt free. Now, this is probably the biggest hurdle to overcome because in our society, we have been so brainwashed to think that we cannot survive without debt. Uh, it's just impossible. You, you just can't live unless you have a credit card for emergencies. I mean, you just got to have one. And, and if car payments, I mean, you got to drive the nicest car. You work hard. You deserve that. And you, you ought to have a big house. In Scripture, nowhere ever, ever does God call debt a blessing. In fact... The scriptures say quite the opposite. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7 says this. The borrower is slave to the lender. Now, if you have any sort of debt this morning and it doesn't bother you, you just need to know you are in financial slavery, financial servitude. And that's where they want you to be. 
When you choose to be debt-free, you are choosing not to have any masters except the Lord. And I think that's the best way to live. And I believe if God's people put God's practices in place in their lives, this would absolutely unlock what we could do as the kingdom of God. You know the average across all evangelical churches, not just churches of Christ, but all evangelicals, the average person in the pew, 3% of them tithe. 3%. Now, I don't believe it's because God's people are mean and stingy and miserly and don't want to tithe and all of that. I just believe it's because they can't. They've given all their money to everybody else, and by the time they get to the pew, they go, there's nothing left. God wants you to be free. But freedom, freedom's a tricky thing. You've got to be careful. You've got to be weird. You've got to have a plan. Number four, for, uh, being weird means having a little cash. You, uh, you've been given some money. Do you have any margin with that money? Or do you just take, you know, you go home, you get paid, you take all the money, and you divide it up, and you give it out. Okay, here's, a, here's this much for my house payment. Here's this much for my utilities. Got to have those car payments. Got a little bit to eat on. And I don't have any money left over. What I mean in, in having cash, and not necessarily the denomination of the money, but I mean weird means you spend your money and you have a little extra for whatever. You live within a budget. I know, this is not popular. If you don't like the word budget, use the word plan. Because that's the, the next thing that God's people should always do. Weird means you have a plan. Haggai chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Now, Haggai was a minor prophet in the Old Testament. And, and on the history of the timeline of history, Haggai fits in. The people, God's people were coming back from captivity. They were going to rebuild the second temple. It was going to be nowhere near the glory of Solomon's temple, but they were going to rebuild it. That was the plan. And in Haggai chapter 1, God says, Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but are never filled. You have clothes, but are never warm. You earn wages only to put those wages in a purse with holes in it. I want you to think for just a minute about what your wage is. You know what it is. You, you ought to. How much money do you make on, an, on a month? What do you plan to make? What do you think God's going to give you the ability to make next month, February? My question is, at the end of February, how much of that are you going to have left? What are you going to do? You see, God's people always ought to have this mindset of having a plan with his money. Because we're stewards. We manage it. We, we want to run it, run the business of, of us in a way that pleases the CEO. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verse 28, Which of you, if he wants to build a tower, will not first sit down and count the cost? Jesus might say today, Which of you, if he was going to go buy a car, would just go up to the salesman and say, Tell me how much the payments are. The average person is making payments for 65 months. I was reading a story. A single mom bought a new Toyota Camry. 
She just got a new little baby, one month old. She'll be making payments on that car until that child's in first grade. And then you know what? She's going to have a Camry that's almost worthless. And you know what she's going to do? Go right back to the dealership and keep on making payments. And so all her money, whatever little money she's got, she's just spending from one end to the other. And there's no extra. There's no cash. There's no margin. Um, and we, there's no plan. Chapter tw- uh, 24, verse 15 of Proverbs says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Yeah, I think that the second biggest problem in, with next to having debt and not doing with what God, God's money, what he wants done with it, is that when he gives it to us, we have no plan. We just sort of spend it as it comes and goes. And you think about the money, that, that number that you pictured earlier, and you say, where did it all go? We just finished the tax year. I just looked at the money that I made for the past year. Well, some of it I go, man, we sure spent a lot of that. But some of it I go, hey, that went exactly where I wanted it to go. I'm not bragging on me. That's how God wants it done. The plans of the diligent lead to prosperity. Haste, living without a plan, living on the seat of your pants, having no plan, just spending on impulse leads to the end of your life and having no money and relying on your kids, relying on their kids because you got no plan. And that's not what God wants for you. And that's not what he'll bless you with if you do what he wants done. Seventh or sixth is God a weird means you're going to invest wisely. You know, the richest man who ever lived is not Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. The richest man who ever lived is a guy named Solomon. People tried to calculate his wealth in today's terms. He would have been a quadrillionaire. If there's a that's a word. He had so much money. And he gave some investing advice. Here it is. Ecclesiastes chapter one and two. Uh, this is not the uh, verse, but Ecclesiastes 1 and 2 says, Cast your bread upon the waters. Another way is to, a version says, Send your money out overseas. Invest into seven portions. Yes, into eight. For you do not know what disaster may fall upon the land. That sounds kind of crazy Bible talk, but here's how your grandmother would say it. Don't put all your eggs in one. Spread it out a little bit, right? So we do things God's ways and he'll bless us. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 23 is what the picture reflects, which says, Pay careful attention to your flocks and your herds. Which back in that time was every estimate, every measure of wealth came down to your flocks and your herds. Now, uh, when we do that, when we, perhaps you're here and you go, Yeah, I know, I'm out of debt. Yeah, I know, I don't have any payments. Haven't had any payments for years. House been paid off for years. The question is, what are you investing in? And I'm not talking about IRAs and mutual funds and all of that. I'm talking about what are you investing in? This morning it was mentioned about Know Your Bible. We've got a generation of folks who remember 1986. Who remember what it means to give sacrificially. And to be able to spread the word over and over and over again. 1986, I was eight years old. You had no idea I would be a part of Know Your Bible. But God had something in mind. It's because of your investment. So God wants you to invest wisely. And finally, God wants you to give graciously. 
Acts chapter 20, verse 35 said that Jesus is quoted as saying, It is more blessed to give than to receive. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, that we should, just as we excel in everything, we should also excel in the grace of giving. You see, the whole point of all of that being weird, there's a point in it. God wants you to get to a point where you can build a legacy and give. And I'm just talking about the plate that passes week in, week out. But God wants you, I know this is a wooden one, not a fancy gold one. But the giving is more than just this moment. God has a plan for you to be weird so that this is passed not just from the person sitting on your side, but passed into the next 30 or 40 years. There's some kid right now that's barely in school. He's going to be a part of Know Your Bible in 40 years. We don't know his name yet. We don't know how it's going to happen. But God's going to do it if you have a plan. And God wants you to be weird. Next week, Steve's going to talk to you about when weird was normal. He's going to take you back. Give you an oldie but a goodie. A little blast from the past. When the world was in black and white. Well, maybe not. But I think things were a lot clearer back then. I think far fewer people sold themselves and their children into financial slavery. Listen, um, I prayed so much about this message. Because this is a hard one to preach. It does make people mad. We are like the baby with our dirty diaper. Yeah, I know it stinks, but it's warm and it's mine. I know I'm stepping on a lot of toes. But I was intending to step on your heart. Because that's what God needs us to do. God needs His people to be unlocked and unleashed and set free to be a little weird. Last week, as I do almost every week, I asked Tyler, who was sitting next to me, I said, I want you to write down one thing that you get from Mr. Steve's sermon. One thing that you hear so we can talk about it during the week. And this is what he wrote. Mr. Steve was talking about Jubilee, and Tyler wrote, God wants us to be free. And he does. He wants people to be financially free, absolutely. He wants your money to impact the kingdom for generations. But if you're here this morning, and you turn me off about five minutes into the sermon... That's okay. You can, I'm convinced, this is not a salvation issue. You can go to heaven and be in debt up to your eyeballs. It won't be the blessed life. You'll never unlock and unleash the wealth that God gave you. But you can do that if you wish. But don't leave this room and not be free spiritually. The last words that we have of Jesus speaking on the cross. In the English translation is the words, it is finished. The original language is one word. And the word was, tetelesta. And tetelesta was an ancient Greek word. And you would very commonly see it written across the debts of debtors when they were paid in full. Tetelesta means paid in full. God certainly wants you to be financially free. He wants you to be weird with how you handle his wealth. But more than that, God wants you to be spiritually free.
if you have many debts, and I'm not talking about Visa and MasterCard and your car payments, those can all be fixed. You can do some things. You can change your mind. You can sign up for Financial Peace University. We've got two separate classes, one on Sunday nights, one on Wednesday nights. So Wednesday nights offer babysitting, even a meal. If you're already through financial peace and you're living God's weird ways, you need to mentor somebody. Or maybe you've got a little extra and you could provide a scholarship for somebody who wants to go to financial peace, but they're so tied down they can't. All of that stuff can be fixed. But if you're ready to be free spiritually, if you're ready to have your debt paid in full, you can come this morning, have that taken care of like that. The water's ready. If your heart's ready, we pray that you'll come. As together we stand and sing.